podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello all. Welcome to another episode of Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by Armchair Critics of the Game. In today's episode, we have a very special guest, Mr. Tony Bishop of the Guerrilla Cricket World. Hello, Tony. Hello, Ajay. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm probably going to be seeing you again tomorrow, aren't I? Yes. <laughs> in, 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 in cricket coverage mode. Yes. Looking forward to that as well. Today, it's more of an informal chat mode. So... I've found you to be very erudite and very uh, loquacious in the way you opine about cricket. And <laughs> I, I would like to give our, you know, our listeners also a benefit of your uh, nice words and uh, thoughts. So as always, I always start the podcast off before we get into the games of the day or the week. When did the cricketing bug bite you and what's kept you there? Oh, what a question. Well, I played ever since I was a kid. My dad was a big cricket fan so he's very much um, in the family uh, I played for the school I played for a club um, I started going to Lords I think in the early 70s used to go up and watch the John player Sunday league games mm-hmm. and I see people like Barry Richards and Clive Lloyd <laughs> playing for Lancashire or Hampshire respectively and I mean it was just a fantastic quality of cricket it was very easy for me to get jump on the met line from where i lived uh get to st john's wood wander down and uh sometimes with my dad sometimes on sometimes just on my own and then um I, so that's why middlesex that's why cricket <laughs> i've always loved playing the game i've always loved watching the game and when i worked funny enough for a long time i worked i lived in st john's wood for a while so literally lords was practically you know 150 yards down the road from my flat so on the way home, I used to just dive into the tavern and mm. um, watch cricket when the days when the tavern was it actually looks out onto the ground and you could stand there with your pint and watch the cricket from the tavern stand. I used to do that a couple of pints on the way home. Um, practically next day, it was free to get in for the last hour. And it was just it stayed with me ever since. Lovely. So um, that's a, there's your answer to that one. And no exploits of your own to speak of? In a club game, village yeah, game? I was, uh, was pretty average second 11, occasional first 11 player for a club called the Old, Old Lionians. I think I faced Ray Bright once. He was an Australian spinner. Nice. I don't think he got me out. Um, but no, I was, a, I was a lower order thrasher. I see. I was, and I, 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 <laughs> very, very, very occasional bowler. Right. Um, but no, nothing, nothing special to speak of. Nice to hear. And any special memories of your uh, time watching cricket? Maybe a special innings that stands out for you, something at large elsewhere? Um, probably, actually, my very first game, first test match I ever went to, first day of a first test match. I think it was, I'm thinking it was 1978. I went with my dad to the Oval, England and Australia, the Chapel Brothers absolutely rattled up a ton each but nonetheless i was i was absolutely hooked it was just such a great day i remember tony greg i think it was greg chapel 
hooked mm. towards the gas holder. Basically, it would have come down our throat if Tony Gregg, all six foot seven of him, hadn't sort of loomed up and and caught it. Wow! I think England lost that test, but tied the series from 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 recollection. But it was just the the rhythm of a day at Test cricket, the mm-hmm. the crowd, the the noise, the the game itself, the, the the way it changed pace. It wasn't all just you know press the accelerator and go. Uh, and uh, frankly, just the time spent, you know, with a bit of a picnic and my, and my dad and all of that kind of stuff. So the social side of cricket has always been hugely important to me. Watching it with friends, talking about it with friends, you know, drinking and talking about it with friends. And I guess that's why that's, I guess that's why I, did, I, I, I kind of was lucky enough to find Gorilla, because at, at, at heart, that's what we do. I mean, yes, we broadcast and we uh, we commentate mm-hmm. um, but at the end of the day it's just a conversation with friends at which the cricket is in in, in the middle i mean what way better way could you spend your day absolutely <laughs> so then the question how did you encounter the gorillas oh um i was in it was i think it was 2017 and it was a surrey versus middlesex game i believe it was sort of heading towards a draw and at the close of play, I'd wandered towards the tavern where I actually don't remember how, because all I know is I was, I was, I was rather drunk at the time. And um, mm. I, I got in a good conversation with Dan Norcross, our BBC fame, and Nigel Henderson. Uh, and I genuinely can't remember why, except that I, it was something along the lines of, you know, how do you get into cricket commentary? <laughs> <laughs> Why somebody must have tipped me off mm. as to the fact that they were cricket commentators. Dan had already sort of moved on from what was Test Match Sofa, but he was there with Hendo. Uh, and I got into the, a long and interesting conversation with them about that. Hendo remembered me, and um, the next thing I knew, I was uh, I was hooked. Lovely. I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> beware of alcohol that's why look where it can lead you hmm. <laughs> this one doesn't seem to be the worst of avenues well probably not <laughs> and uh, well you are quite uh, to the manner born as they say when it comes to cricket commentary you have a very <laughs> nice turn of phrase at least I enjoy it whenever I hear you comment it so yeah, we're all different no, um, yeah Absolutely. I, I may swear a little bit less than the bear <laughs> in, in my head I'm swearing probably more than the bear but but I don't it doesn't always come out the same you know? mm, no no I mean uh, bear has something to do with uh, some betting going on and other things for sure but we'll leave well, that on the side yeah probably bear. all right so now if you were to get into the games at hand mm. I think because we are a test focused podcast I think we should start off with that incredible win Sri Lanka achieved against Australia against all mm. odds who would have thunk it well yeah I mean yes uh <laughs> Poor old Chris Silverwood, or in fact, well done, Chris Silverwood. I mean, mm. He had an absolutely nightmare time in Australia, uh, and then the West Indies. And of course, everyone's looking at poor old Chris Silverwood in England as they're like the embodiment of old school, rather dull, crease occupation, <laughs> bit mm. negative, you know. And I suppose if you stand anyone next to McCullum and the sort of the the, the, the new broom that he's he's kind of sweeping into into the game. Then, then poor old Chris does look like that. But mm-hmm. this was a, you know, it's really interesting that he's gone and uh, found a way to beat Australia. And I bet if you really are, I mean, he'll probably tell you in any interview, he'll go, I knew we had the talent, always thought we would do it. Mm-hmm. 
No, I don't think so. I, I think he was probably as surprised as anyone else. But, um, I mean, the interesting thing, I think, was, I mean, you know, they, they rattled up. Uh, it was in Gaul, wasn't it, the second one? Yeah. They rattled up, um, what, in about 360-odd. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the standout bowling performance was the sixth from Jayasaraya. Yeah. It was what, slow left armour, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I think there probably was the difference because you look at um, – his performance and then you look at the uh figures of the australian spinners poor old nathan lyon two for 194 swepson three for 103 yeah i mean yes they got five wickets between them but 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 the two frontline spinners for australia got less than the one standout spinner in that first innings for uh sri lanka uh and that made a that that made the difference i mean let's face it australia on the first side to you know, be tripped up on a on um, a subcontinental wicket that that favours a bit of spin and spin. And yes, they played they played the two frontline spinners. Everyone's been interested to see how Schwepson goes, and he, I mean, in the day, he didn't go so badly. No, but a two hundred run lead is is a big old lead. And then you've just got to look at Dinesh Chandimal. So take that innings out. You know, if Chandimal had gone early, thirty game, thirty, they didn't have game. a review. Yeah, well, there you go. There you go. Um, but sometimes things just drop into place. Um, so, uh, you know, Mickey Arthur's having fun at um, mm-hmm. Derbyshire. Well, probably not quite so much fun in the last quarterfinal, but generally he's doing a great job at Derbyshire. Yeah, as long as he's not wearing those shorts, I think we're all happy. No? Well, his shorts would have been riding most of the way up to his chin, I think, mm. in, as they, as, um, as uh, Somerset got 250 on against them. <laughs> but, but but generally, yeah, you know, so it's a bit of musical chairs. Um, Chris Silverwood, I hope he I hope he enjoys it. He, he played for Middlesex for a while. Yeah, I have yeah. A rule where you, anybody who's ever passed through Middlesex, even for a comparatively short space of time, unless they're a complete idiot, mm. um, is I always follow with a degree of fondness. So, so I'm 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 very happy for him. But there there I think possibly is you know you've you've picked up one key moment and these moments do make a difference. A non-review on thirty, a spinner a spinner on his home track mm-hmm. who genuinely did genuinely did a um, a fantastic job. Six for fifty nine in the second inning. So Absolutely. 12, 12 in the match. And Nathan Lyon, yeah, fantastic spinner. Swepson, huge promise, huge promise. Um, still, but. There was your two differences, Chandimal and Jaya Surya. Absolutely. So for me, look, Chandimal is always a, a prodigious talent. It's about when he chooses to put temperament to it. Because never in doubt is the stroke play, the quality of uh, mm. batting, never in doubt with this person, right? And off, or whether he doesn't fight with the selectors or whatever that comes to sometimes. But in this case, they had lost their two first uh, choice spinners to COVID. Then they lost another one due to form. Then they mm. picked this guy, probably 6th, 7th, 10th of the rank, as they say. He, he's a journeyman. He's 30 years old. He's not a youngster. He's no colt. But to come in, bowl that immaculate yeah. line and length, it looked like, you know, it was like watching Rangana Herat bowl again. He's, yes. with, with all due respect, he's not as sportly as Rangana was. But, <laughs> no. I mean, but it's, it's, it's that... Slow left armors go. He's a decent yardstick. Right. And yeah, yeah. at the end of the day, he bowled those enough for those turn and two that don't turn every over. And it's usually those that don't turn that kill you. Right? There are a lot of bolts, LBWs, 
and i think the other crucial moment was a smith's dismissal for a duck yeah right well, that's always going to make it it was pitching middle hitting middle top like middle of middle it was a bad ball to miss hit it because he was the one that held uh, australia together all of first innings that 364 is largely thanks to smith right but yeah. You well, and Manus, in Manus, oh, yeah. in the first innings, okay, he got another ton. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's still um, kind of an interesting run machine. I don't suspect Australia. I think they will have been disappointed at three hundred and something, but I don't think they would have been expecting Sri Lanka to rattle up five hundred. No, no. And <laughs> I thought towards the end, the last half an hour, forty-five minutes of the batting, the Australian captaincy as well as field placement sort of fell away. Chandimal did what he wanted. He got the last fifty runs very quickly. and in in the company of two people who couldn't bat too much frankly one of those was prabhat jayasurya himself right and then kasun rajita who stayed for 34 minutes between these two they occupied the crease for 15 minutes along with chandimal and that's when the most of the damage happened so if you see there were uh, eight down for 498 it's not those other 60 runs that's been added or 55 runs has been added it's the time at which how quickly it was added and that other guy got to a double hundred but all of that weighed on them and they started well actually warner and khwaja started well warner fell to a little bit of an indiscretion khwaja looked really comfortable until he got out mm-hmm. so somebody had to play in that top five nobody did smith got a duck head had a very bad test right so yeah australia would be really disappointed after having taken a one nil lead to not close the series out against must be said that side that couldn't play them for 22 hours in the second innings of the first test right like yeah, lion yeah. simply ran rings around them and that was that so I want to understand if you can put your finger on it. Where does this, where does this tenacity, this this bravery, where does it come from in the Sri Lankan people? Because I I wouldn't generalize Sri Lankan people, Sri Lankan cricketers. You remember that series in South Africa? No Asian team has gone on and won a series. These guys go with no big names, no big names whatsoever. They go and win a series there. And here you would expect this is a, it's a two nil on the wall, at even at the end of a day and a half. No, they win it. Well, what's the phrase? Every dog having its its day. I mean, poor Sri Lanka have been mm. after the retirement of uh, Sangakara, Jayawardena, Jayasurya, Jayawardena, yeah, Murali Tharan, Murali, and you know they've gone through generations. They haven't replaced their domestic system is in a bit of a state. Mm-hmm. You know, they 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 they're having trouble with that. I mean, don't forget, this was also a test match played during what was effectively a complete collapse of the government and a storming of the yes of the palace and the pre- the president scuttling off to 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 the Maldives. Yes. Um, so, it, I mean, boy, can cricket ever be a kind of a its own island? <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. There, were, there was this fantastic test match going on, and you know, cause for celebration from a selection from Sri Lanka's perspective, but. I mean, the whole world's got it tough at the moment, but they're having it really badly in terms of price rises, you know, mm-hmm. fuel, um, the lack of fuel, and you know, the government's not got their head around it. So, so the world is just continuing with a degree of serene normality, except apart from the, for in, in you know, the cricket, and around it, all, all, all kinds of hell is breaking loose in the in the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, such is the power of cricket to sort of captivate when all this incredible stuff is going on. Um, So I think I mean I think they 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 will they will rise again. I think they will they do produce talented cricketers. I think they do have to look very hard at their domestic system. They do have to look at how they bring young talent through. I mean you mentioned uh, Jaya Surya mm-hmm. in this instance. You know he's not a youngster. He's not a kid coming through. He's not the next big 
uh, slow left armor. Mm-hmm. He's, 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 he's been doing his time, but it was his day. I hope they can keep it going. I think Absolutely. the world is better with a strong Sri Lanka. Um, I think that it will be up and down. I think it will be up and down for a while. I think Mickey, Mickey Arthur did a pretty good job. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, <laughs> he, he, he lost more than he won. Um, Yes. If Chris Silverwood can 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 change that, then then fantastic. But I think you might be looking three, four, five years and uh, structural changes, not just just you know um, performances on the pitch are what's going to leave Sri Lanka stronger and better. Mm-hmm. But I think unless you're a real dyed in the wool Australian fan, <laughs> then um, I think the rest of the world looked on and with some interest and no small amount of uh, um, happiness. Absolutely. Schadenfreude. <laughs> no, you yeah. All yeah. right. That's the word. Oh. <laughs> so, from one bunch of Maverick South Asians to another, the Indian team that's currently touring England, <laughs> they've, they've, yeah. they've not done badly for themselves, but probably would they would feel a bit disappointed at losing that test to a superlative, uh, whatever, basketball-fueled England team in the test. But then, yeah. come the limited overs games, they're sort of uh, showing up uh, England. Is that a surprise at all for you? Well, it's yes. I think you know New Zealand, hmm. England were magnificent. Those three record chases, you know, one of them being the fastest ever, one of them being the biggest ever. I mean, they were they were they were for England at least. I mean, it was fantastic, and it was done on the back of in some senses breaking conventional wisdom and saying well we're going to bowl first mm-hmm. and we don't mind batting last because we want to show we don't care what you set us we'll, we'll get we'll we'll chase um and it was refreshing and it was exciting and Bairstow was magnificent joe root was magnificent folks was solid you know and then you go back to the lord to uh, the lord's test against uh, new zealand mm-hmm. you know, seeing seeing england over the over the line um, but certainly, you know, if you look at Root, but but Bairstow, you know, very much was was just on his game. And interestingly, you know, again, conventional wisdom overturned. All we all said, including me, I might point out, including me, he's not played any Red Bull cricket. He's come straight out of the IPR. Mm-hmm. We can't do that. Um, but 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 look what happened. And then what was really interesting was. Um, and I suppose it, it's, you know, you, why why was the white ball stuff so poor? Was it the lack of bowling resources biting? Well, not really. You can't blame them for what India did at, at the Oval. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's nothing to do with the lack of bowling resources. Um, England, you know, were they fooled by a stroll in the Amsterdam woods? Maybe. And they, they, they thought they're better than they are. Mm-hmm. Has the focus on Red Bull slightly deflected? We don't forget, uh, you know, is Owen Morgan's influence more than we ever realised? Yes, he'd stop making runs, you know, the white ball really and all those discussions. Mm. It's too early to say, is Joss Butler, is he better just crashing runs and less? I mean, he's not Owen Morgan, perhaps tactically. Mm-hmm. I think it is too early to say, you know. And then you can also go, well, hang on. The Oval was a really good toss to win. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of an excuse. I don't, I'm not trying to make excuses because Jasper Bumrah was unbelievable. Yes. 
but he was unbelievable in what has been some really interesting conditions in England. I mean, it's been like it here today. Mm-hmm. It's it's been thick, muggy. Mm-hmm. You know, if I was a bowler that could swing the ball, I'd be sniffing the air out my hotel room window in the morning <laughs> and go, oh, oh, put that ball in my hand. I want a bowl. Give me a new ball. You know, yeah. and, and, and I mean, Bhuvi Kumar in the T20s, he was magnificent. So, and, I, and I think Jason Roy possibly is on a little bit of a, he doesn't seem quite happy. He dropped a, a, dropped a comparatively catchable catch. His body language has not been great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Butler two failures, I think, didn't he have in the, in the T20s? And of course, nobody really made any runs in, in, in this. You had Richard Gleeson popping in, 35 or so. I've been writing an article today about the oldest debutants in, cricket, in various forms of cricket. Mm-hmm. Um, he did fantastically well in the T20s, but, but wouldn't have been near it were it not for Archer, Wood, Stone, all these others who were, who were Lots who were of injured. fast bowlers injured. Lots of really yeah, fast bowlers. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's like, you know, it's like the Somme, the England bowling <laughs> department. There's just bodies everywhere and none, none of them able to get up. Hmm. Um, but I think, I, I, I'm, it's going to be really, really interesting now. How do England relax? They lost a, a good toss, and India, that Indian attack with slightly with conditions that are going to aid swing, are phenomenal. And uh, they were on play, and they were pretty much over. The only one who I think possibly played a shot, he would be less than happy with i'm just trying to think who it was somebody i think roy roy sort of reached away roy from possibly yeah but it was the first three balls of that over that set him up we don't often see that in a it was indeed. package yeah. highlights package but it was that led him to play that careless shot possibly livingstone mm. as well but oh, i mean every every everyone else i think mm. they were just they would just the ball moving in in and and just being too good for them i mean Fight was in uh, however many international over four thousand two hundred or something one day internationals. Only six or seven have had however many ducks in the first. You know, was it four ducks in the first five? Seven, four five ducks, in, ducks the in the top seven. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty it's a pretty rare event, and there was no coming back from that. No, I mean, you can't expect. Joss Butler got to thirty, didn't he? Um, but again, it was, I mean, he hit six fours, mm-hmm. uh, but he kind of knew that what was to follow, once he'd lost Livingston, then, you know, David Willey did all right, 21. Cass mm. was, did more than expected. Yeah. But you were never going to put a score on the board after that. No. I mean, it's like, it's, it's like facing Mike Tyson and he's <laughs> clobbered you on the chin in the first three seconds and you're, you're you know, you've got the comedy stars going around your head. You've got no idea where you are. <laughs> And 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 I just think India just took advantage of that. England England looked shell shocked in the field, mm-hmm. and and they saw it home quite magnificently, quite magnificently. What's with all the short pitch bowling uh, at Rohit Sharma? What was that all about? Well, I mean, it's just isn't it the conventional wisdom that he likes to pull and hook? <laughs> Why were the England bowlers feeding him then? Well, it's I think again scrambled brains, shell shocked. Lack of real thought. They did it in the test, actually. Some of the, you know, there was a lot of short pitch. They do have that mm. theory. Mm. Um, uh, and it, occasionally it works. It doesn't work as often as you want it to. And he's too good a player. I, I just think it wasn't that smart. No. And it didn't work. 
lesson learned, oh, I hope. No, I, I hope so, because in the end, overturn and cars ended up with uh, runs per hour in north of 8 and over and 10 and over. But what are you doing? I mean, you're just hurrying the inevitable, right? So why not bowl in a corridor? You looked at the lens, Shami and Bumra bowled, and they made it really tough by mostly bowling up, right? Mm. Up and off a good length, maybe just short of good length. Anyway, as you say, they were probably a bit shell-shocked. And they had probably written this game off when they came out to bowl. You're not going to bowl India out for mm. whatever it was, 115 yeah. or 115. I mean, you know, and certainly not with that attack. I mean, that none mm. of them are bad bowlers. David Willey can swing it. I um, but, you know, Cass, Overton... Reese Topley bowled pretty well, I think, to be honest, by and large. He was um, okay. He was okay. But it's 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 not bang. It's not just was too, not good. Would never have been good enough on the day. Mm. And and the conditions had got slightly better. Like I said, a good toss. The pitch had flattened a little bit. It's a whole bunch of reasons as well. I mean, it was a good toss to win. Were the boot on the other foot though? I'm not quite sure that England have quite slipped into gear to have maximised the opportunity had it come their way mm. just yet. Right. And certainly that's still a phenomenal Indian attack. Yes. I mean, I think Mohamed Shami and Jasprit Bumra bowling full tilt uh, is quite something always. So it's oh, yeah. very good. So yeah. uh, if you're an Indian cricket fan, you would want to enjoy them as long as they're together and fit and firing, right? So Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I wouldn't expect in a th- three-match series of which two have been played, one has been played, I beg your pardon, the second tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if the weather is, continues to be muggy and overcast uh, and hot in the way that it has been, Lords, psh, I'd be very surprised if India made any changes unless they had to. Mm, mm, mm. They won't, I think. If anything, the spinner might get dropped and another pacer drafted in. Yeah, yeah, possibly, possibly, right? possibly. So, before we go away from this part of the cricketing world, I mean, we have a South African tour looming, right? And it's it's, yeah. it's a full South African tour. It's not... Uh, uh, it is. Right? Tests Although it's everything. got a bit of a lull in the middle. Yes, yes. <laughs> so we've got, which I think is largely probably down to the 100 as well, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. the test matches are quite late. So you've got the ODIs, the T20s, like the reverse order to the yeah. India series. So we've got the ODIs first, then the T20s. Mm. Um, I think it'll be interesting. I mean... Sri Lanka, uh, sorry, India, uh, say South Africa. Mm. They, uh, what they had, they fairly mixed fortunes against Bangladesh, didn't they? Right. I mean, it's it's never easy visiting Bangladesh, but look, at least they did really well against India at home. I mean, everybody expected India to go and take the series, and India took the first test, and then South Africa showed the metal that they were made of. Right. They took the yep. series away from India, so you would never write the South Africans. You never write them off. But look at, more importantly, what South Africa has been historically doing in the last decade or so, whenever they visited England to play tests. I mean, captains have been toppled. Right? I think Gravesmith did it two times or three times in a row, where he comes and the next captain gets toppled. The next captain resigns, whoever he is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, that was a different South African uh, team. But at least they have one of those teams at the helm as a coach here. And in Dean Elgar, they have a really nuggety, hard hard bitten man who won't give an inch, right? No. They have a bit of pace. Heinrich Norke is sort of finding his way through after a horrific injury, I understand, but he'll be there. When the come August 17th, he'll be there. 
Uh, Nokia, yeah, he's he's. Uh, I think he's in both the white ball squads, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Like Nokia, Rabada. yeah, I think so. Rabada will be there. Uh, he's there. I think just for uh, it's one format. He's not playing, mm-hmm. which I think is a uh, an element of management. I can't remember. Potentially the T twenties. I- I'm just which? going to go out and say that, just to see what that means. It yeah, may be. I think that's probably right. But he'll definitely play the tests. I'm focusing on the tests. So. i'm not particularly concerned the t20s are a run up to the world cup teams fine tuning their 11s and 15s and what not odis mm-hmm. have a little bit of a context because we are heading into the um the world cup year coming next up next year so there is some context to it still mostly teams sort of tweaking and tuning things for me it's the test matches so you have one at lords you have one in one in manchester and one at oval right that's right so the, the traditional proper test test cricketing venues solid hard yaka cricket for me that's that's what i would look forward to and um their middle order is a bit susceptible if anything south africa do you see them sort of take england on baseball to baseball approach or baseball to boucher ball approach no i think they are more geared certainly in test cricket to for so we dare we say some more traditional that's possibly the wrong word isn't it more um Hmm. crease occupational right uh values i think that's more the boucher hmm. mode it'll be an interesting it'll be interesting to see how they how they go i don't think england's approach will change um hmm. and they're normally pretty interesting i mean again it's a very interesting attack south africa have got they, i think they they're, they're in pretty tidy order certainly in the seam bowling department mm mm-hmm. in a three match series i i don't think there will be that much i think it it's it's going to be a really interesting test for england so if you look at new zealand you have a team a little bit in transition mm. and they were a bit they were blown away and looked pretty shell shocked by the end right uh one off test against india i think india were surprised but mm. um if you'd have seen that as an extension of the series last year Right. and he did played it as originally at old trafford i think the result would have been different yeah um mm-hmm. but in reality it was a one a one off game um a hard series against a strong test playing nation that mm-hmm. uh, has got is 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 pretty rich in talent i know bavuma will be a big miss i'm not sure if he'll be back for the test series he's certainly out the one day series yeah that's what we read and we i think his leadership will be will be will be missing Mm. um but uh <clears throat> yeah it'll be about england's ability to sustain it over the three games against very high quality opposition i sure, i'm sure brendan mccullen and, and ben stoke can't wait because they they'll believe that they can i don't think every day is going to be a walk in the park for england yeah and i think they will they will occasionally have to adapt to the approach but i think they'll still keep to the same values. Mm-hmm. And South Africa don't normally take a backward step, so it'll be a really interesting clash. I'm very much looking forward to it. Absolutely. And maybe we get to cover a bit of it with Kerala cricket. We'll see how Oh, we go. absolutely will be there for every game. Absolutely. And so I'm sorry in fact we're our, our South African friends, so it's <laughs> you got a choice of guerrilla places to listen to it. Wow. Now then, next thing. Before we go away from South African cricket, they've decided to forfeit their 
one day series early next year against australia oh yeah way well weighted move for you or just a bit um, rash call what was the reason they're they're, they're they're planning domestic t20 t- isn't it exactly exactly yes it sort of smacks of the 100 because mm. they have the two t20 competitions and i've been trying to understand you know one is the is it the the manzi one and then the mzansi super yeah. league i think it's called msl yeah so so ultimately i think it's if you've made a commitment to another country you should stick to it however i think the state of finances in south african cricket they've probably had a commercial look at it cricket south africa and gone what gets us the most money into the system i'm not saying that's right mm. uh but i rather suspect that uh, a bilateral series against australia or a home domestic series of you know their top level of t20 mm. um and they've just announced haven't they comparatively recently the restructuring for next year and now that's yes. going to work but more around the province uh, the provincial approach sort of embracing back again the 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 um the franchises um i think it's disappointing i think it's disappointing when anyone lets down another country who said they'll tour um england are you listening <laughs> but i can just about see some of the commercial justification i don't believe it's right but i can see it well i just hope you know they're having a very bad position in the odi league table currently and i hope this doesn't mean they miss out on a world cup qualification that would not only hurt them financially but also again they would deprive themselves of an opportunity of winning another uh, at least yeah. have a, having another go at a world tournament right it's it's very weird to see such a talented team without a world title and for me that that should be some sort of a priority in any case and you would earn something of a world cup and because you didn't go to this tournament if you fail to make a world cup you are letting that go as well but yeah probably they have to consider the pros and cons on both sides before we move on completely from england well umesh yadav was signed up for middlesex i was watching him this week Mm. I was at Merchant Taylors on Monday. I was hoping to get there today as well, but uh, mm. sadly I couldn't. It was all very interesting. I I I'm not sure how much I can tell you, but there were some interesting things going on in sort of the last minute of nature of getting his registration done even down to the point where <laughs> poor old Ethan Bamber was in his in his whites about to trot over the white line and ah. uh, I think the toss ended up being late by a few minutes and hey presto ah. everyone including in the press tent where i was was going hello what's going on here middlesex only announced it literally just as he was pretty much walking out <laughs> to to, wow. to to um either middlesex batted to is literally just as the match was starting it was it was all very last minute.com but he was in mm. the country um yeah uh and available so uh watching him bowl i mean really close up i don't know if you've been to any sort of english outgrounds i mean merchant taylors is a school ground i mean wow. literally you okay. sit right round i mean it's beautiful it's a beautiful beautiful grounds yeah. um with a massive school that looks like i don't know a kind of a castle sort of behind wow. in the background but but you know the st- the stand the temporary stands are kind of on wheels you mean you're you're sitting the bbc commentators and the media are sitting in a tent i uh, saw one of those i saw one of yeah, those temporary yeah. stands it looks like a big lorry 
Yeah, it was basically a foot on the side. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. But so the one person, you know, one, I, a couple of things struck me about Umesh Yadav. One was, <clears throat> boy, he's quick. For some reason, I always had an impression watching him largely on telly, even mm. even when I've seen him in, in test cricket over here, you know, not necessarily one of the quick ones. Watch him really close up. He is really sharp. Yeah. The other thing was his enthusiasm because he was mm-hmm. clearly loving it. <laughs> and to, with the bat today, I mean, he crashed about best part of 50 in next to no time. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I, I, I unfortunately ended up on the losing side, which, of course, I would also say being being <laughs> being a middle a Middlesex fan. But that kind of interestingly takes us a, a sort of full circle, really, because if you go back to sort of, I don't know, the baseball approach, Middlesex had crashed enough runs uh so you're a day three pitch on an outground that had already showing signs of variable bounce and they'd set 230 odd for mm. um worcestershire to chase right and you know you always worry for your own team you go well, it's gettable but most most of the smart money was on you know worcestershire would really struggle did they try and see the new ball off because it does after about 25 26 27 overs it does tend to be a little bit easier quite a lot easier for the batsman noticeably so in the county championship this year did they Mm -hmm. have they absolutely went after it and it was (laughs) well that was the interesting thing that was the point i was going to make would we have seen the approach it was pollock i think was the lad who's a lad who i'm trying to think of but he got about 130, 140 and about 60-odd balls. Wow. Yeah. Fourth he, innings of a test match chasing well, his... Well, ever, 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 county, county game. game. Yeah, of a, of a county Still. championship game. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. And it was... Here we are. He got... He th- powered his way. Ed Pollock. Hmm. He'd only made eight. Went to court behind off Tim Murtry in the first innings. In the second innings, 113 off 77 balls... Seven sixes, eleven fours. Your dad got him in the end, Whoa. but the damage had been done. So now I don't know too much about Ed. Um, he didn't show a lot in the first innings, but I just wondered: would would they have even thought, you know, to we're going to get we're we're going to do this by getting the opposition on the back foot right from the start? We're going to go hard, and we're going to really pile the pressure back onto Middlesex. Maybe they would. Mm-hmm. There's no proof either way, but it just felt like there was some different type of thinking filtering its way back from sort of the England team to how how Worcestershire might have approached that chase. And well done, Ed Pollock, because he was well, magnificent. He absolutely battered a, a high-quality Middlesex attack, and there was some variable bounce, and there was movement, and it wasn't easy. And his way to deal with that was not to you know, the classic Baldrick principle of the, you know, keep the bullet with your name on in your pocket and it won't get you. You know, it, it, uh-huh. it, it was, this was really take it to Middlesex. He did it superbly. Well, I mean, he may have heard England uh, might be look on the lookout for a test match opener along with Ben Compton. He may have decided, you know, I want to also throw my hat well, in there. Compton, yeah. Well, Compton's an interesting one. Uh, he's from High Wycombe. He's 27. He's no youngster. Mm-hmm. Is uh Ed Pollock, let's see, I'm just looking at one or two of his recent scores, 113-8. Norton 5 against Morgan, 
and then four and nine in the blast. Okay, not so much. I mean, his credentials, exactly. So, you know, it might be a little bit early. Obviously, it's been mainly T20 stuff he's played. And suddenly here, bash, off he goes, 113. off. Not that, so not so many balls and, and wins a game for them. So, um, yeah, it, to me, it was interesting because it was the philosophy that England espoused. Mm. Show no fear. Right. Run towards the fear. <laughs> run to, run hard at the fear. Run towards the fear. And if the fear in this case was a bit of variable bounce and movement and a high quality Middlesex attack, mm. take it to them. Take it to them. I was disappointed, upset, sorry and sad because obviously I want Middlesex to win. But boy, did he did he run towards the fear, did Ed. And uh, well done to him. Scare fear itself. It can happen. Yes. <laughs> Scare fear itself, yes. Uh, look... I'm happy if that's that's the way Test match cricket and first class cricket wants to take the approach of taking uh, you know scoring runs head on and being brave. It's a different world now. I'm very happy. Well, it's sad to be a bowler. Well, also don't forget the Test matches we've been watching went to five yes. days. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, in a couple of cases there was some weather mm. interruption, but they went to five Absolutely. days. You know, and this is what you need commercially. This is what you need intellectually and from a sporting mm. perspective. Five days, even it, you know, is a close game. Yeah, yeah. Those run chases could have gone the other way. A couple of wickets might have changed things. This is the beauty of the game, you know. So the one proviso about the the fearless running towards the fear is you can't run towards the fear if it if it means you end up with a being beaten yes, in three days. Yes, can happen. <laughs> but whilst which can happen, or let me let me rephrase that that you it doesn't happen too often. Because everyone can expect it to happen occasionally. Mm-hmm. But if, it, if it's habitual, then you've got to have a look at what you're doing. But at the moment, it's fantastic entertainment. And cricket needs fantastic entertainment. It needs to be fantastic entertainment. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, I think we're going to see a, I'm delighted for it. To see a lot more 300 plus scores getting chased comfortably from here on in. If that's what it means, great. So, well, it's like a race. It's like, it's like if you look back over the history of one day international ODI scores, you know, and you look at what's the average first inning score at any ground. They, they, if you look over the last, however, over in the course of the history over the ground, they, it's a pointless metric because you had a team thinking we've got 180 mm-hmm. probably all right. You know, you, you, you're not you're comparing two different games played in different ways. It, 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 it's not not a you know the, the the world has moved on so much in terms of the way teams attack totals and the way teams try to set totals. And their capability to do it, mm-hmm. not to mention bigger, heavier bats that hit the ball harder and further. Right. If you were to move on to the West Indies-Bangladesh series, well, West Indies won the Test series convincingly. They won the T20A series convincingly. And at the same location where the last T20A was played, Providence, it seems to be a certainly a different Bangladesh team has turned up. They have beaten them comfortably. They got them down to 149 for 9 in a affected one day first. In the second of those, they bowled first and they got West Indies all out for 108. A similar sort of a bowling attack, a different captain. It's Tamim Iqbal, the captain. Do you think it's the captaincy, the leadership that's changed or just the pitches are suddenly now more bowler-friendly and West Indies have caught the wrong end of it both times? Where was it? Where was this last one being played? Providence. So, it was played in Rosso, yeah. it was played in Grosile. Everything is fine. Eh? Then suddenly, they go yeah. to this Providence and then suddenly... West Indies can't bat to save their uh, life, uh, so, so to say. They were 149 in the first game, 108 in the second one. Well, I'm sort of thinking about when England lost the series mm. there. If I recall, it was two very flat mm. 
quite dull draws, right. wasn't it? That and uh, one result again. This was and one mm. result when the pitch was noticeably spicier and kind of more interesting. Right. So I wonder if we if this was I, I it's not a I haven't been following it um, that closely. This was the Providence ODI. Right. Uh, let me see, 112 for one Bangladesh, hunting down West Indies, 108 mm -hmm. to win by nine wickets. Yes, who did the damage? Let's have a quick Well, this look. is a spinner. I think it was a low, slow wicket, actually. Again? Two spinners. Mehdi Hassan took four and Nasum Ahmed took three. And you can yep. see a spinner started the bowling. That will give you an idea. Well, the other thing, I mean, you look at the West Indies innings and Shai Hope mm -hmm. got a start. Kyle Mayer's got a start. Uh, Shamal Brooks didn't. Brandon King sort of did. But after that, Kimo Paul not out 25. Mm. Uh, the innings really kind of subsided. I mean, a bit like England. <laughs> if you only set 108 in an UTI, mm. uh, psychologically, you know, part of you can be thinking, well, if we, you know, there must be wickets to be taken here. But the other part of you is kind of shell shocked <laughs> and. and they, uh, uh, you know, Tammy McMahon, uh, uh, Tamil, Tammy McMahon with mm -hmm. his 50, 32 for Lipton Das, just the one wicket. I don't think the West Indian attack was was uh, ever going to ever going to make really a difference. Nah, not with that. I mean, they had poor and bowling, didn't they? Kimo Paul, none for 16. Yeah, just the one wicket to... Uh, uh, Good Spinner, left arm, slow left arm. Yeah, yeah. a spinner, absolutely. Another slow left armor. All right. So, yeah, maybe it was mm -hmm. turning. Maybe it was turning. I mean, it's not as though West Indies haven't had great spinners in their right. time. But they're more reliant on their pace attack. Look, if Puran is bowling, I think he's trying to fashion himself as an all-rounder or something. Well, I'd rather think if they are at that stage, that's that's, you know, that's the bringing... I'm trying to think Livingstone on. Oh, Livingstone, that's a bit harsh. Oh. But, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, 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 it's, yeah, it's not, it's a sign that you probably think the game's gone. Absolutely. Now, if you were to move on, another mm. maverick, maverick performance, Michael Bracewell apparently has been honing uh, his craft quietly in the New Zealand leagues. Suddenly he comes onto the international scene and is all a flutter. Did all right against England. He took a bit of tap mm -hmm. with the ball, but he made some runs, didn't he? He seemed to have come into the team at the right time where he's really reached his maturity as a player because he won a game all by himself against Ireland. I mean, they were chasing 300. So, and they were in a lot of trouble, New Zealand. So, they were uh, 5 for 120, 6 for 153, yeah. 7 for 214. You probably say the game is over. 8 for 217, right? This guy buckles down, hits 100 at a strike rate of 150. And ends up finishing the game by hitting the last over for more than 20 runs, which was required. Simply chasing it by himself. That's, that's yeah. something crazy. Well, and it's, a, what you want in a, it's what you want in a finish <laughs> of a one-day international, isn't it? I mean, next to a super over. <laughs> then the one, I mean, although you don't try, it's best not to mention them when you're talking poor, about New Zealand. New Zealand. <laughs> Even though it's hard not to. But we're, we're, one, winning by one wicket with one ball left is pretty much what you want from a day's entertainment at, a, at, a, at an ODI. Exactly. Um, and yeah, you're absolutely right. What did he make in that first ODI brace? Well, 127. I mean, if you'd have said before the game, who's going to make the 127 that's going to chase down 
306 mm. or over 300, I, he probably wouldn't have been top of my list. It probably not when you've got Guptil. the likes of Guptill. Yeah, you'd have Guptill. Uh, Tom Latham can do it. Uh, a few players not there. I mean, obviously, no. Who would you say of their big? Southie can always hit big. He wasn't there. There was no Williamson. Of no, they have quite a few players rested. They are giving yeah. a lot of uh, their uh, squad strength uh, games. So you don't have the skipper, Ken Williamson. Mm-hmm. You have Tom Latham. You have Henry Nichols, Glenn Phillips, yeah. Will Young, Finn Allen. All of these people who would normally be on the fringes of the 11 and they have lost Ross Taylor to retirement recently. Well, There's no call in the ground. So, yeah, so I'm sort of interested in it because uh, we know Ireland, Gorilla know Ireland pretty well. I mean, we, we covered their first ever test match. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, if I was them, uh, sure, there is an element of New Zealand going, we need to look at a few players. Ireland's the place to do it. But is that disrespect? No, not if it means that you end up with such a fantastically close game and an un- unexpected hero. Mm-hmm. Every, the, you know, everyone's thrilled. Everyone's thrilled. Ireland are happy. They, 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 they've been in a, in a great game. The crowd's happy, <laughs> apart from the fact that they, they might have wanted Ireland to win, but they've been royally entertained. You know, nobody really wants to see, mostly, you don't want to see games like in England and India at the Oval. <laughs> you, yeah. you all go home early. If you run the concession stands, you've stopped selling your beer and your, your, your pies and whatever else you're selling. <laughs> Who wants yeah. that? You want, you want close, exciting games. So, sure, New Zealand might have uh, taken the opportunity. Uh, but Ireland nearly, Ireland nearly did it against India, don't forget. A fantastic, fantastic T20 against India. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Massively high scoring. Was it Harry Tector who got a huge... Yeah, yeah Tector hit yeah, some yeah. runs. So, um, no, I think New Zealand have won both. Uh, well, the second one considerably more comfortably, I suppose, You know, because Ireland only mm. set 216 uh, and never really got going there. Uh, Sterlo went after just four balls. Mm-hmm. I love Paul Sterling. But he, he can be a hit and miss. <laughs> a bit of middle sex. Yeah, well, there's that. Georgie Dockrell was sort of in the baseball role, but it's, it, it was not quite the same ferocity. 61 balls to get 74. Mm. <clears throat> Take that out, and they were even more in a mess. Uh, and 216 was never yeah. enough. Uh, and not using your overs up. So, again, Bracewell, though, 42, not out. See him over the line. Tom Latham had made a 50, Finn Allen a 60. So, yeah, it was. Uh, I, I, Ireland will be disappointed to have lost both. They'll be happy, I suspect, that the first one was a fantastic game. Uh, and they just got done by one star performance. And so often cricket can turn on one person who makes a real, the, the big difference in a game. We talked about it with um, Sri Lanka against Australia, didn't we? And, you know, it was, it was Bracewell here. Absolutely. Well, before I move on, there is an apocryphal tale about Sterlo. Oh, yes. Go your on. favorite. He was at a bar yeah. once when he was sitting there with the manager and he saw a West Indian yeah. player of a certain age sitting at the bar. Yes. So his manager points at him. You know the rest of the story, right? I don't know. Keep going. Well, he asks him, do you know who that is? Sterlo says, no, I don't know. Then finally, they have a bit of two and throw and finally he says, that's Richie Richardson. Ah. Oh, Sterlo goes, wow, was he one of the three W's? <laughs> Lord. 
it, it, it's quite a part I'm, of I'm, course. I'm, but he's a lovely mind. lad, Paul Sterling. I, I'm very leaning. <laughs> I think Middlesex missed a trick by not getting him back this year because um, mm. he's been mm. making runs in the blast and he's, he's box office and he's a joy to watch. He's never slow to get to the buffet as all well. Right. And when I've followed Middlesex away, he's... Oh, not at all. Yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a lovely lad and a super cricketer. And I love him back at the Middlesex. Look, bit of a throwback at the slightly previous generation of cricketers. He loves his buffet, loves his beer probably, but also loves hitting the ball very hard and long. Much like a David Boone or somebody. Yeah, right? absolutely. And there is a long tradition of those. But he's a lot cleverer than... I mean, cricketer. I mean, then he's given credit for. He's not just a thumper. He has well, three. I mean, yes, he can thump it, but he's he's he's, he's three sixty yes. batsman, and uh, his bowling's tidy. Yes, yes, good, good off break uh, bowler. I mean, when you say clever, after that story of three Ws, I'll take it with a pinch of salt. But you know what? Well, I, mean. I, I think you should because when I've spoken to him, he's he's charming company. So. He's, he's, he's all right, Sterling. <laughs> I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you. All right. Now, if you were to move mm. on, the last thing, couple of things we want to discuss. One of those is, I'll just breeze through it. So the ICC Men's T20 World Cup qualifier is underway. And after a bunch of games, at least four, four, five, mm. five games in each group, you can see USA and Zimbabwe are on top of Group mm. A, both of them winning two games each. And Netherlands have won two games to top Group B. Uganda, Papua New Guinea have won one wins each and Hong Kong are languishing at the bottom. And in the other league, that is Group A, Jersey and Singapore are the other two teams. So I would say United States and Zimbabwe will definitely qualify. By the way, this is being held in Zimbabwe. So international cricket has actually returned to Zimbabwe after a while. So the crowds there would be very happy. And it's a good chance for the likes of United States of America and Netherlands to you know put their best foot forward, make sure they get to play another World Cup. US has never played a World Cup. It'll be quite something if they qualify. Mm. It would be. It would be. So, because they don't have a board, they have a lot of infighting. There is a major league cricket uh, coming up. There's a minor league cricket going on, blah, blah. Quite a lot of things going on there. It's a big country, of course. But this would really put, again, cricket on the map as far as the United States is concerned and maybe give a lot of those uh, parents a chance to let their youngsters at home explore cricket instead of football or baseball or basketball any one of those well-known well-earning well you look at you look around at, uh you know i've been following a little bit italy because i was mm-hmm. uh, gonna do an interview with their captain and coach gareth berg ah yes and you look at you know how hard it is to trawl the world to find people who might just conceivably have an italian passport you know, i think they've got jade but get back for example <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so he's going to be he's going to be turning out for them bergy south african but somehow has a as an italian passport uh, and he, he ends up as the coach hmm. this is where i think sure if the likes of singapore or you know forget it David. i mean singapore tim david of course yeah, Hong Kong, um, Hong Kong, Italy, mm-hmm. Netherlands less so, slightly, slightly sort of higher up the pecking order, I suppose. You know, if you just said, you know, these teams should never mix mm-hmm. it with the, the bigger teams, then how how on earth do you get mm-hmm. better? Um, so I I think the cricket world needs to encourage the growth of the game globally. It does that by being brilliant and uh, at, right. at, at its elite level but you do have to find ways that 
support and funding finds its way through to grow the reach of the game geographically, not just more people paying more in a limited number of countries. So I think it, mm, it's mm, it's yes. you will see some mismatches. It is quite hard for associate nations to to even sometimes you know get teams together or teams that can compete. But mm-hmm. the better it, it's better for the game, the more they are supported and encouraged to do that. Absolutely. So I'm I'm adopting Italy at the moment as my as my team to follow. I'm going, I'm actually going to Jersey where they've been playing. They were playing Jersey recently, but so I'm, one I'm in Jersey who, who also have been playing, uh, which of course is a funny. It's part of the the UK. Yes, but, but an yes. independent island from cricket from a cricket perspective. Uh, mm. I'm going to try and hunt down some Jersey cricket when I'm in Jersey, that's for sure. I mean, when you look at their uh, squad, they have some names there that would have belonged uh, right in, uh, yeah. you know, one of the Henry's courts or, you know, in one of the War of the Roses sort of a scenario. The names are all like that from Jersey, at least to me. That's how it looks like. Yeah, yeah. Think. No, they are. They are. I mean, you can then you can look at, you know, you go right down to our uh-huh. friends from Iceland cricket and, and, and stuff like that. It's... Look, it, it's it, it's the more people in as many countries as possible learn the game, love the game, then they will get better at the game. They have to do that by seeing it played at, at an elite level, having access to it, and having encouragement, um, particularly financially, to enable them to improve their own setups. Indeed. So, so I will never, ever, ever poo-poo the efforts of associate cricket nations because I, if I was you know, mm. wherever I was in the world if there's a cricket game on I'd, I'd want to go and watch it I want them all to to grow and succeed right we end the episode on a little bit of a sour note if that's how it should mm. be considered the charging of Yorkshire Cricket Club and seven individuals following an investigation yeah. into racial uh, racially motivated talk and you know some racism mm-hmm. in this case uh, well the cricketers themselves were not named you are right off air when we were discussing it, but uh, Cricketer Magazine and some others have come up with the names. So it's Michael Vaughan, Matthew Hoggard, Tim Bresnan and Gary Balance, four former England internationals. You have a former Yorkshire captain in Andrew Gale and there is Richard Pyra and uh, John Blaine. These are the seven people. Yeah, They are going to be charged with bringing the game into disrepute. It's, it's affected the livelihood of many of the people concerned. Gary Balance has stood himself down on mental health grounds. I think... Um, Michael Vaughan was stood down from the BBC commentary team recently. So yeah, he was. there are some, there are some uh, repercussions of this, right? But what are your thoughts on how this whole saga has been handled? Well, I think badly. Um, <laughs> Yorkshire took far too long to respond to Azim Rafiq's very well-made case. Um they sat on the findings for too long. Even the ECB were slow to publish the full, the report in full. Right. I think Yorkshire were slow to make the changes that they needed to make. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Yorkshire has become the, the poster child for what not to be when it comes to <laughs> managing, you know, issues around um, race equality. Right. And, but this is often the way life 
can work you know you need an example and once you latch onto that example you 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 use that and it, it needs to be it needs to be turned to an advantage through education action and education and clearly moving forward in a in a positive way by which i do not necessarily mean we sweep it under the carpet and pretends it doesn't happen. I think it is right to name people. I think it is right to make the case. Mm -hmm. And I think it is right that those people uh, themselves have a, a get to be heard and that um, the truth does, the truth does come out. Right. Um, but there, after that, you know, I think all efforts have to be around eradicating racism from the game in a positive light moving forward constantly looking over your shoulder when you know i think we also will prove the case that the game has had a problem most counties have responded really quickly mm -hmm. they've set in new principles new practices processes ways for players to get help they've put in place uh equality um directors they they sure so you could call it a knee jerk the game did have a problem the game will address that problem thank goodness and I think once you've gone through a period of really, if you are making Yorkshire an example, okay, do it. But out of it must come ways to operate at a personal level, ways to oper operate at a, at, a, at a club level and ways to operate as an institutional governing level mm -hmm. that are better, inclusive and different to what they were before. And that, if you can do that, then out of the unpleasantness comes positive change. And I, don't, I think you need to name people to get to that point. And it's a very disappointing list. Disappointing for any English cricket fan. If you, if you see someone like Matthew Hoggart on, Hoggard on that list, mm -hmm. you remember the 2005 Ashes. Of course, Michael Vaughan was captain. Right. And... I don't want to make light of this in any way, but I'm, I don't know about you, but you know, mm -hmm. your parents could be angry with you, but it was far worse when they said you're, they're disappointed. <laughs> right. And, and, and honestly, that's how you tend to feel about some of the names. Tim Bresnan. Mm -hmm. They are going to be held up to account in a very public way. I hope that the game learns changes for the better because of it that would be my 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 one huge wish coming out of this i don't think it's the wrong thing to do it i think it's the right thing to do it but you can't sweep things under the carpet you have to take the learning and apply it in so many different ways and at that point constantly looking back is not going to help you because you should be too busy applying doing the right things going forward it's kind of where i it, I think. No, I think I agree with you on most of the things you said, and I can't really understand why they're dragging their feet. Of all the counties where Yorkshire has such a large population of Asians or South Asian uh, people from South Asian de descent. So anyway, it's for them to decide, but at least things are moving slowly, but let's hope, you know, it, it picks up pace a bit more, even if there are a couple of people who are named and shamed, as you said. Mm. There are some lessons to be learned here. There are. That that is not something you you want to look you want to work your way around. No, right? no, absolutely. So um, bad things sometimes have to happen to create change. Mm. 
and well, you know, Azim Rafiq he was courageous and called it out. Um, the game was slow to respond and act. Now it has. Right. Anybody, doesn't matter about your age, color, creed, whatever. <laughs> Everyone mm -hmm. needs to think about how you apply the right practices, principles, processes at those three levels, very personal level, at a club level and at an institutional level. That's what's going to make the difference going forward, applying the learning. That's a very poignant thing to say. I don't want to say anything more on that. Well, well put. So I would like to say thank you, Tony, for uh, you know taking your time, giving us uh, some very, very measured opinions today. And uh, for those of us who are familiar with the guerrilla world, uh, I know you're a much sought after person. We would love to have you again sometime on the podcast again. Oh, so, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it, Ajay. And we love having you on Guerrilla Cricket. It's a goodbye from me and my guest, Tony. Great pleasure. Thank you. A good day to all our listeners everywhere. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. This is the Armchair Cricket Podcast. <laughs>